Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. Good to see you guys. Those of you who are watching online, we're excited that you're with us. Uh, let me start by saying thank you so much for all of you who have been praying for my wife, Amy. You guys have uh, sent meals and been so encouraging. She uh, had surgery two weeks ago. It would be two weeks ago Monday, about five and a half hours of surgery. They believe that uh, they got all the cancer, so we praise God uh, for that. So it's really good news. Yeah, we're excited. She is, she's at home watching right now. She uh, got her drain tubes out this week, which was a big week. She's not able to use really her hands yet, but I can do ponytails now. I have, I have really, I've developed a skill set that I, I did not have. So thank you so much for praying for her and just all the encouraging cards that you guys have sent. It's meant uh, more, than you will, more than you'll ever know. We are in week two of a series uh, called Smoke Signals. And what this series is about is really understanding that, that our emotions, which we all have emotions, and we, we can be, we, we deal with shame, as Nick talked about last week, anger, joy, uh, depression, all types, of, all types of things. These emotions are just a part of our life. And, and, and so what emotions do, emotions uh, really are like indicators. You know, as Augustine said, our emotions many times function uh, like smoke from a fire. There's something deeper going on in our life. And if we could really understand how to really uh, admit and, and what we're going through, what we're feeling, and then learn how to sort of walk the line and see what it's really revealing in our life, it can lead us to a level of freedom that we've never had before. Because here's the thing about emotions, and Nick said this last week, it was an amazing statement. Our emotions are, are great indicators but they're horrible leaders. You see, when it comes to emotions, we, we tend to be on uh, kind of the extremes. Some people are in just total denial and, and have no concept of their emotional well-being, and so that can be a mistake. And, and others let just emotions dominate their life. And so we're going to see really what the Bible has to say uh, about that. Now, today we're going to look at an emotion that gets probably the least amount of play, but I'm not so sure that it doesn't have the most uh, uh, influence on us, especially in the culture that we live in today. We're going to talk about envy. We're going, to talk about, we're going to talk about jealousy today. And I want to go ahead and say this, and I'm going to ask you to help me. This is going to be a two-part message. I, I, because I love you and care for you, I finished writing this message, and it was about eight and a half hours long. It's like Ben-Hur. So we're going to, we're going to do the second part of it uh, next week. But, so here's all we're going to do today. We're going to really see the problem with envy. And next week, we're going to take a look at how really the gospel is a way to really solve this and really kind of shrink this really gap as we're feeling envy and it begins to take over how we can really break free from that. So I hope you'll, you'll be back. But we're going to look at the dirty little secrets of envy today. And I want to start this way with something that I am not proud of. To, to be honest, I'm probably most embarrassed about this in my life, more, more embarrassed about this than, than perhaps anything else in my life right now. Because sometimes when somebody that's in a similar profession from me or somebody that's more successful than me or sometimes when somebody in my life that I know or know about, when they fail, I feel some satisfaction. Guys, you're looking at me like I'm super evil. I told you I'm embarrassed by this. I don't, I don't want to stay there, but I have to be honest that it's, it's present. What is that? That's, that's envy. 
So let me ask you a question to get us started today. It's a tough question. Have you ever celebrated, just in your mind, over the failures of someone else? I think if we're honest, at times we have. And so what I'm trying to say is, is, is that's envy in our life. And today I want us to really see, because we can be super dismissive of envy and jealousy, and I'm using those words interchangeable today, right? We can kind of be super dismissive of that, but I want to show you what's at stake. But let, let's, uh, let's try to define envy for just a moment to, to get us off and running. Envy is this, it's the, the resentful and even hateful dislike of the good fortune or blessing of another. That's what envy is, just resenting even the hatred of, of the good fortune that's happened in somebody else's life. Craig Groeschel, who's a great preacher, he defines envy or jealousy this way, which is a, a really good definition. He says, envy is ugly. Envy is resenting God's goodness in other people's life and, it, and it ignoring God's goodness in our life. It's really, really too, true, resenting God's goodness in somebody else's life and, and ignoring God's goodness in our own life. The Germans have a word for, for this. In fact, one of my buddies just texted me like 30 seconds before I walked out with a um, Webster's Dictionary to show you how to say this. It, you know, you can punch the button and hear how, because I said it wrong. So he was trying to help me out, and I'll say it wrong again. But you don't, you don't know how to say this either, so it doesn't really matter. Except for, here's an amazing thing, except for in the next service, we're excited, we're baptizing a guy from Germany. I can't make this stuff up. Uh, he has uh, came to MTSU years ago as a, as a student and was here for a little while, moved back to Germany and has been watching online for 10 years. Isn't that cool? In fact, in fact, he, he not only was watching, but he gathered some folks in his neighborhood, some young people in his neighborhood, and they have been watching together for 10 years, and he's here today and going to be baptized in the next service. And so that's really cool. And, uh, and so why do I say that? Because he'll know when I'm mispronouncing this word. Uh, the, the, the Germans have, have a word, uh, Schradenfruit is the best way. I, I, don't, I don't know how to say it. Schradenfruit. I think it's tried and fraud. Whatever, you don't know. But here's what it means. It means pain joy. The Germans have a word for this. Pain joy. It really means that your pain brings me joy. That's envy. And we can be envious of other people for, for their material stuff, their physical stuff. I can be envious of other dudes, you know, that have great hair and I don't have any hair, you know. I can be envious of, of you having a nicer house or, or relational. It just looks like your marriage is so great. You guys have it dialed in so well or, or you've got this job that gives you such freedom. And so we can be, we can be envious of people, their material possessions, their relationships and even their circumstances in life. So there's a lot of different types of, of envy. And I'm not so sure, I, would, I wouldn't say this about maybe anything else, but I'm not so sure that envy isn't tougher in our generation than in any other generation before. And you say, well, how can you say that? I think because of social media. You know, a couple of weeks ago it was fall break, right? And so you're on your phone and you're watching some friends and they're, they're with their kids, they're swimming with dolphins at Atlantis and you're walking your dogs on the greenway. That's your fall break. And you're like, gosh, what a loser. <laughs> you know, you're, you're in the drive through line at McDonald's getting something for your kids and a couple friend that you know are at Morton's, you know, downtown having this great steak dinner and you're like, ah. Even spiritually, man, we can make each other envious of us spiritually. Like on Instagram, and isn't it amazing how many people, none of you guys, none of you guys, it happens at other churches, but, you know, post their quiet time. Quiet time posts 
are awesome. You know, it's always, you know, it's a table with a, a coffee mug. It's, it's turned just so we can see Psalms 4610 is on there. Be still and know that I'm God. You've got a scone beside it, right? Your Bible's always open to like some obscure book like Malachi, that you're studying Malachi. You don't even know Malachi was in the Bible. And like, you know, hashtag blessed today. And, and, and so you're like, man, I think we got a, our quiet time existed for a God our Father over some Cheerios this morning. That's about my spiritual depth. And so just, we're just envious of each other spiritually. I'm not making this one up. Um, not that I made the other one up, but and he goes here. He's probably going to be, he's a, he's a buddy of mine. He's a cool guy. I, I baptized him years ago in the Jordan River on one of our trips to Israel, baptized him in the Jordan. And so we got a line of people coming down to get baptized. My brother comes down with a GoPro right here on his forehead. I thought it was like a phylactery, like the Jews have. I thought, well, you guys don't know, just Google that. Like, and, I, and he comes down, and so then he, so he captures his baptism in the Jordan on a GoPro, so he can send that out. Like, that kills your baptism, doesn't it? Like, whatever, wherever you were baptized, that just totally dominated you. And you're like, gosh, what a loser. I was baptized in the Stones River. I didn't even get any footage. So, so. What happens, what happens, and, and, and I heard one person call Instagram enviogram because that's kind of what it, what it does. It stirs up envy. But here, and you know this is true. I don't have to tell you this. You know this is true. But many times when we're looking at all of that stuff on social media, and I'm not bashing social media. It's obviously, they're a great, great, great tool. But we have to understand, we're comparing our behind-the-scenes footage with really their highlight reel. That makes sense. That's what's happening, man. It's like, it's your, your, your family, you know, you're behind the scenes stuff and you're getting to take a look at their highlight reel. And if you're not careful, that creates some envy and jealousy. So if you have your notes, let's go ahead and take them out. And if you have your Bible, uh, you can open it up to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3. And we're going to do some work today to really expose some dirty little secrets of envy. This is what nobody talks about, but, but I, I have to say this to you. This has a chance to bring a level of freedom in your life that perhaps you're not experiencing right now, and that's what I want for you more than anything else. Amy and I hadn't been married too long, and uh, I needed a truck. You ever been there, guys? I had a car, but I needed a truck. I needed it bad. We didn't have the money. I, I borrowed more than I should. I, I got a truck, and, and it was a used truck, and it was all we could afford at the time. And, and I hadn't had that truck very long, and a, the check engine light came on. And I was like, oh. So I went to a buddy of mine who was like a mechanic in his garage. You know, he was free. It wasn't good, but it was free. So I went with it. And he said, dude, don't worry about it. He said, it's probably an emissions thing. It's not a big deal at all. He said, he said I, I wouldn't give it a second thought. He said, these lights come on all the time. I was like, good. I said, but, but my wife worries about it. Like every time she gets in the car, she sees that and she's worried about it. He said, I'll fix it. I was like, awesome. So he took some electrical tape, black electrical tape. He just covered the check engine light thing. Just, just put it right over the top. It's like, solved. Three months later, on Vietnam Veterans Bypass, I still remember exactly where it was when that engine blew up. It was a bad day because I neglected that indicator light. And you say, well, what, what, what's the point? Our emotions can serve that way. And envy can be a check engine light for where you are spiritually. Now, here is the beautiful thing about the Bible that I love, I love so much. Listen, if you're here today and you're not, not a believer, I'm so glad you're here. And I think this will make a lot of sense to you. And it may open you up to the things of Christ. But 
the Bible answers this question. Like, here's my point. If I got a check engine light today on my truck and I, and I pop the hood, I, I, don't, I don't know where to even start. I, I mean, my boys are here. They know this about me. If it's beyond putting washer, windshield washer fluid and I'm kind of out. I mean, I could, you know, jiggle some wires. I don't know where the problem is. But the Bible answers this question. Anytime I experience envy, the Bible shows me what's going on. It shows me the fire that that smoke is revealing. Now, here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Paul says, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people. Paul is talking to the church at Corinth. And if you grew up in church, it's the Corinthian church that they were, they were just way more influenced by their culture uh, than they were, were by the Holy Spirit. And he says, I can't really talk to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, he says, which is a, which is a hard concept. And so what does Paul mean when he calls them people of the flesh? He's saying this. He's saying, you are acting out of your old nature or old habits. You're acting the way you acted before you came to know Christ. You're reverting back to these old patterns of behavior. You're not being spirit-led. You're, you're led by your old nature. So I can't address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ, your, your babies in Christ. He said, I fed you with milk. And that's what you do with a, with a new believer. You feed them just milk. You just reveal truth. You give them the truth of the word and not solid food, for you are not ready for it, and even now you're not ready for it, and let me call a timeout, and our staff is working right now, and we're going to have five different podcasts that we're going to start uh, letting you be, uh, being available next week after this sermon, because we're going to go back here, and we're going to show you really the difference between milk and meat, and how to really dig into the meat of the Word, and you'll never be free until you know how to do that, so we're, we really want you to be back next week, and I think we have some really cool resources that we're excited to to, to, to give you. Paul said, I fed you milk. Look at verse 2 again. And not solid food, for you are not ready for it. And even now you're not ready for it. He's saying you don't know how to feed yourself. He said, look, look at verse 3. For you are still of the flesh. In other words, you are still acting out of your old nature, these old habits. And, and really, at the center of our old nature is, is selfishness. For while there is, listen to what he says, while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh behaving only in a human way. So here it is. This is the first truth today. What does envy reveal? Paul says it crystal clearly. Envy reveals spiritual immaturity. That's the answer from the Bible. That's not me saying what I think. God's word is clear that any time in my life that I am, I am stuck in envy or jealousy, what's really there is some spiritual immaturity because envy does this. Envy really reveals this. Envy reveals a self-centered life, doesn't it? Because if I'm envious of, 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 of you, right? I really think, you know what? I, I, I deserve more than you do. I mean, you got the vacation. I, I deserve that. I'm, I'm way more concerned about me than I am you. And isn't that contrary to the gospel? I mean, Jesus says that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves, right? So what is that really revealing? It's, it's revealing a self-centered life, right? It, it is a life that is self-centered instead of a life that is spirit-led. Now, let me show you another passage, and I, I, I can't wait for, for next week because we're going to kind of do some more teaching on how you can do this yourself. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Look at this list. Paul is going to say, here's what the flesh looks like. Because that's a confusing concept. Like, what does it mean that I'm living out of the flesh, my old nature? Well, what would that look like? Paul answers that, right? Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. 
He says the acts of the flesh are obvious. So here's how you know that you're living out of your old nature. And again, why are we talking about this? Because anytime I'm experiencing jealousy or envy, it is a reminder that there's some spiritual maturity in my life. Okay? You see that? So the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, he starts there, impurity and debauchery. So he says, first of all, if, you're, if you have sexual immorality in your life, you're, you're controlled by your desires and not being led by the Spirit and by the Word. That really shows you that you're spiritually immature. Uh, in, in your life. He says, and then verse 20, he says, as you go on, idolatry, you have other things that are more important that you give yourself to than to the Lord. And witchcraft, to that we're like, what the heck, Paul? Witchcraft? Like that got, that got weird, didn't it? But it got your attention, right? Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Here's why I'm pointing that. Witchcraft, hatred, discord, and jealousy. Now, I want to show you something. In the same list of acts of the flesh that Paul lists witchcraft, he's got jealousy there. Does that, does that get your attention? Like, oh. Uh. Like, I thought I could be dismissive of jealousy. Would we be dismissive of somebody who was dabbling in the occult? I'll go ahead and answer that for you. No. So that's a major problem. Is a major problem. But we're just super dismissive of jealousy and envy. And Paul just puts them right in the same list together. Jealousy, envy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, and factions. Here's one of the things. If you study Scripture and you start using some cross-references to look at more Scripture that reveal flesh, what you'll see is when you see jealousy and envy listed in Scripture, usually right after it you'll see strife and dissension because that's what it breeds, all right? Jonathan Edwards, great preacher of the 1700s, said this, and I want to leave this point with this. He says, never underestimate the spiritual power of envy. Don't do it. Never underestimate the spiritual power of envy. It is destructive. Now, let's look at the second thing. The second dirty little secret about envy is this. Envy will rot your soul. Envy and jealousy will rot your soul. You you have anybody in your life, man, you just say, man, he's a bitter dude. You have anybody like that? Yeah, I think we all, where, where does that come from? Well, that's what envy will ultimately do. It'll rot your soul. Listen to what Solomon says in Proverbs 14, verse 30. He said, a tranquil heart is life to the body. Like a settled heart, the heart that is under the direction of the Holy Spirit is, is, is life to the body. But, a, but jealousy is rottenness to the bones. Like if jealousy stays, it is rottenness to the bones. I've got a little aluminum boat. I love my little boat. Um, and when we, you know, we'll go to the Gulf usually once a year. Amy likes to go to the beach. I'm not a beach guy. Like, I can sit in the beach for five minutes, and then I'm just out. I mean, so the waves do the same thing over and over again. Seen it. <laughs> Got to be moving here, right? I can't sit still. Um, she can sit there all day. Um, but so I'll pull my little boat down there, you know, Why? just because I, and I'll put my boat in the bay. And, and here's what I've learned about a boat, a freshwater boat. If you put a freshwater boat in salt water, if you don't, as soon as you get it out, immediately take it to a car wash, just run water all over the trailer, hook the motor up, flush the motor out with fresh water, it'll destroy your boat. And some of you are like, dude, thank you. That's super helpful on boat maintenance here today. I'm really glad to be here for that. That's the way envy and jealousy is. It will rot your soul. It is a much bigger deal than you ever, ever thought. 
And that's really what's going on. Look, look, look at another passage, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Solomon, who is David's son, who asked God for wisdom, and God gave him wisdom. He's the wisest man uh, outside of Jesus, maybe, who, who ever lived. And here's, as, as Solomon is just assessing people, listen to what Solomon said. He said, and I saw that all the toil and achievement, he says, I watch everybody in their work and what they're doing and, and, and their toil and what they're trying to produce. He said, all their toil and achievement sprang from one person's envy of another. And he says, this too is meaningless. And in a phrase that he uses, a chasing after the wind. It accomplishes nothing. It's futile. And it will destroy you. And he really says, he says, you know what, here's what he's saying. He's saying so many people Solomon said, as I look around, so many people are motivated by comparison. They're not doing what they do because it's God's call on their life. They're doing what they do to compete with other people. And can I tell you something that's so important today? Listen, you will never, ever win in the comparison game. One of the reasons why life is so hard is, is, is you're, in the compare, you're competing against other people. Here's part of the problem is you're competing against somebody, and they don't even know they're in a competition with you, Right? But you won't win. A comparison is a chasing after the win. Here's a problem with comparison. I'm going to need you to play along here. You guys locked in? There's always an err. Always an err. You're like, dude, that's super weird. What are you talking about? Well, there will always be somebody who's pretty err. There will always be somebody who has something that is new err. There will always be somebody who is strong there will always be people in your life who are rich. Er, you gotta say it that way, right? That's the problem with comparison. It will, it will, it will rot your soul. And so this is a big deal. Now let's let's build on that. Third thing today, just very simply. Envy. It's a sign of spiritual immaturity. Envy will rot our soul. But envy and jealousy is, is organizational cancer. I hear this all the time, and, I'm, and it's true. So many of you would say, you know what, I grew up in a dysfunctional family. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Some of you started to, which is awkward, right? I grew up in a dysfunctional family. One of the reasons that we have dysfunctional families, one of the reasons is because where envy and jealousy exist, it's a cancer to that family. It's a cancer to any organization. Think about the very first family in Scripture. The very first family in Scripture. Adam and... I did that Thursday night. And people were like, I think it's a trick question. I don't know. <laughs> Adam and Eve, right? They had two boys. You with me? Cain and... Come on. You got it. Man, you're rolling. Cain and Abel. Do you know... You remember their story? Right? Abel brings a sacrifice to God, and God is pleased with Abel's sacrifice. Cain doesn't, and, and so now Cain is jealous with his brother, and his jealousy is fueled. He doesn't, deal, he doesn't close the gap, which we'll get to next week. He doesn't know how to close the gap of envy and jealousy, and if you don't learn how to close the gap of envy and jealousy, it leads to major, major destruction. He ultimately kills his brother. That's the very first family. So envy and jealousy inside a family, inside a church, it's destructive. It's cancer. You know the difference, one of the differences between wild horses and donkeys? When wild horses are attacked, wild horses will, will group up together and they will turn their heads in and they will kick out. Donkeys do just the opposite when they're attacked, right? 
they turn their heads out and they kick in. What you think about that? That doesn't end well. That's the way we are in church. With jealousy, it's a cancer. It destroys so many, so many churches. Teams. It destroys teams. If you're a coach, businesses, if you're a business owner. You think about it. Let's, let's go back in time just a little bit. Remember the early 2000s, the Los Angeles Lakers? Any NBA fans here? NBA fans? Yeah, right. One of you. And, and the, the turn of the century, you have the Los Angeles Lakers, and they won three straight championships with Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal. Many said that that duo could have won perhaps 10 championships in a row, but they couldn't stay together because they were jealous of each other. Who was going to get the most shots? Who was going to get the most attention? So Shaq had to be traded, and the rest is history. Any of you grew up in the 80s and were a rocker in the 80s? It's Confession Sunday, yeah. Great band in the 80s. Guns and? Yeah, come on. See, now we're going. <laughs> Axel and Slash. They couldn't get along, so pff, destroyed. Jealousy. Uh, Nick and, and Robert, their favorite band today, One Direction. They're huge One Direction fans. <laughs> Zane and Harry, their feud. I don't know about that, but they're... So it's the point is that envy or jealousy in any organization, in a family, in a church, in business, in any organization, it's organizational cancer. You know, if you put a group of sand crabs in a bucket, they'll all start, they'll all start climbing out, but the one that's at the top, the, someone will grab, another crab will grab that and pull it down so they can never escape because they're always pulling each other down. That's what envy does. Envy is a thread. It, it causes tension and a loss of focus. We're supposed to be focused on bringing God glory and the gospel going to the nations, yet we're comparing our lives with each other and missing out on what God has. Now, this is super important. Watch this for a second. I'm going to ask you a question. Do you think envy can be fueled? I'll ask it again. Can envy be fueled? You better believe it can. And so, in the Old Testament, an example of this, and there's multiple examples, it's a story of Joseph in the Old Testament. If you, Joseph's father, Israel, he loves Joseph more than any of his other sons. That is dysfunctional, right? And so, he shows favoritism, and favoritism fuels envy in others, you see? And it leads to major problems. Joseph's brothers finally seize the opportunity when they, when they have it and try to kill him, and then they sell him to slave traders. He ends up in Egypt, and all of that dysfunctional, crazy story that God ultimately redeems is because jealousy was fueled. It was a father showing favoritism. But here's a question for you to wrestle with. Some of you are like, man, I don't really, I don't, I don't struggle with envy or jealousy. That's not my deal. But here's a question for you. Are you fueling envy? Has there been any posts or purchases or showing favoritism in the home? That really the point behind it is you know she's going to look at this, and when she does, it's going to mess with her. You know what you're doing? You're fueling envy. Now, let me tell you something here, and this is a hard truth. When you in any way fuel envy, let me tell you something, you're working for the enemy. Is that a hard truth? When we fuel envy, we're working for the enemy. And you say, well, where do you get that? Take a look at James chapter 3. This is a powerful passage. James chapter 3, verse 14. Watch this. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says, but if you harbor bitter envy, this is a beautiful word picture. Listen, here's what James is saying, is if envy and jealousy stays docked at the heart, in the harbor of your heart, you will never experience the full life that Christ has for you. 
that make sense? If you let envy dock in your harbor, you won't have a full life in Christ. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such, he uses quotes here, wisdom, right? It's not wisdom at all. That's what he's saying. He says, does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Like, that gets my attention, doesn't it? Does it get your attention? Like, if I'm fueling envy in any way, it's like 20-year high school reunion. You rent a Lamborghini, right? I mean, you drive a Taurus, but for that night, it's a Lamborghini. Why would you do that? You want them to think that you're something that you're not. You're fueling envy. You see, and any time I'm fueling envy, who am I working for? I'm working for the enemy, right? So let's turn the corner and head for home today. Let's see where we are. Again, solution is more next week, right? And you already committed to be back next week. Yeah. So envy is going to reveal spiritual immaturity. When I, when I am experiencing envy or jealousy, it's a check engine light to say that I'm, I'm walking in an area of spiritual immaturity in my life. I'm not as far along as I thought I was. Envy will rot my soul. Anything that stirs up envy, I need to get rid of it. Number three, envy is an organizational cancer. Am I fueling it in any area of my life? Am I showing favoritism in any area of my life? And then number four, envy ultimately says, God, you made a mistake with my lot in life. That's really what envy says. It says, God, you made a mistake with my lot in life. If I'm not happy with the way I look, I'm really saying, God, you made a mistake with my lot in life. If I'm not happy in my marriage, because you know what, I... I I wish my husband was more sensitive like so-and-so, or I wish I had this, or I wish I had that. You're really saying, God, you've made a mistake with my lot in life. If you're not satisfied in your work, and and, and you're you're always sort of envious and jealous of what somebody else is doing, you're saying, God, I don't really believe you're sovereign. I think think you've made a mistake of my lot in life. With your children, you know, could I just not have one honor roll sticker to go on the back of the minivan? They've got 48, you know. I mean, what what, what in the world? Why, why, Why these? You're saying, God... I think you've made a mistake with my lot in life. I mean, let's just think about our looks. We live in a culture today that is just so enamored with so looks. And, and listen, there's so many young ladies here today, and that's just kind of what you're beating yourself up because you're just seeing all these filtered images. Like, it just, it just kills me today. You, you know, when somebody has a post, I mean, how high they get the camera before they take the picture. Do you see that? I mean, I understand why. But it's because what's going on down here. You know, I don't, nobody needs to see that, right? But I mean, look at Psalms 139. What does the scripture say? God, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. We use that as it relates to sanctity of life and preserving the life of the unborn. But we don't, we don't, we don't use that in our own life. God, here's what God is speaking of you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Amy Carmichael was a young girl at the early part of the 1900s that felt called into missions and she made her way to India, from London to India, where she was serving the Lord there. And when she arrived in India, she was blown away at what was going on right in front of really everybody's noses. Young girls were being sold as sex slaves into Hindu temples. And she said, this can't be. So she began to devise a plan to rescue these girls. And what Amy would do is she would 
put on the native Indian garb, her siri, she would cover her entire body, almost her face, and go in and rescue these little girls, bring them out of the temple. She'd have other folks waiting on the outside, and they would liberate these children. It's an amazing story. But the other part of her story that you may not know is you read her biography. When she was a little girl in London, she was born with brown eyes, and she used to stand in front of the mirror and cry because she wanted blue eyes. And she even told her mom, and her mom says, well, you should pray for blue eyes. This little girl prayed for blue eyes. God didn't give her blue eyes. It was only later in her life that she is rescuing these little girls that it dawned on her why God gave her brown eyes. Because if she went into that place with blue eyes, that's the only thing they could see. She would have been found out immediately. But God knew what he was doing with every detail of her life and her looks. And can I tell you something? He's the same God. He's sovereign over your looks. The problem, listen, listen, here's what the enemy knows. If the enemy can keep you comparing yourself with somebody else, he can keep you from fully understanding who God created you to be and living out God's call on your life. That's what's at stake here, you see? And it kind of makes sense that the root of envy is saying this, God, I think you made a mistake. Does God make those kind of mistakes? The answer to that is no. Is God sovereign? The answer to that is yes, over you, over the way you look, over your marriage, over your children, over your job. He is sovereign over all of that. We begin to rest in that. Now, as we close today, we have two minutes, but this is an important two minutes, maybe some of the most important two minutes of some of your lives. Some of you grew up in church, you might say, well, you know what? There is something about jealousy I remember that sounds a little different from what you said in the Bible, and you're right. It's found in Exodus chapter 20. That's where we get the Ten Commandments. And the second commandment in the list of ten that God gave to Moses, to the children of Israel, it says this, that we're to not worship or create any idols. We'd have no other God before our God. And then there's a statement, because our God is a jealous God. And to that, we might begin to kind of spin out a little bit because we say, you know what, I thought you just spent the last 40 minutes telling me that envy and jealousy is wrong. Let me tell you something. God is a jealous God. He has a holy jealousy, but listen to this distinction. God is not jealous of you. He is jealous for you. That is a big, big difference because, listen, he wants you all to himself, every bit of you. Listen to me. Some of you were born into homes. You weren't your mama's favorite. You weren't your daddy's favorite. And that envy and jealousy has been fueled all your life. You went away to kindergarten wanting to be the teacher's favorite just never seemed to happen. And all along your line, there, all along your life, there's just been a longing for that that's never been satisfied. I tell folks I was Amy's third choice. I wasn't even her first choice. I'm okay with that. But we have a longing for that, don't we? Can I tell you some good news today? 
Somebody needs to hear this. You're his favorite. You are his favorite. He has the capacity to love you like you're his only one. And he is jealous for you like nobody else. And when you finally come to realize that, that I am my daddy's favorite, then the whole comparison game stops. And we can surrender all that we are to him because of who he is. I want that for you, man. I want that for you so bad. So what we would do? Would you just admit that today? Some of you need to admit that. God, I've... That's been the story of my life. I am bitter. I am frustrated. And to be honest, that is a longing of my soul, and I and I just all but given up on it. But if that's true, if that's true, if I really am your favorite, then I'm yours. I'll surrender. I'm yours. I want to tell you something. Life will begin there. For others of you as believers, God is a jealous God. And here's what that means. Listen, listen, listen. He is jealous for you. He knows any area of your life that is unsurrendered to him is an area that you're going to experience some real difficulties and some pain. And he is so jealous for you because he loves you and he wants to protect you and provide for you. You are his favorite. And so would you just quit this fighting and battling and surrender that area of your life that you've been holding on to outside of his will for so long? And you might begin to experience a level of freedom you've never had before because that's what he wants. That's what he wants. You pray with me all over this place? Heads bowed and eyes closed, goofy preacher lying there, I know. Was there anybody here today who would just, nobody looking around, but would say, I haven't been anybody's favorite all my life. I wasn't my parents' favorite. I've never been a teacher's favorite. That's kind of been my story. And I've let envy and bitterness creep in. But today I realize a greater truth over me that I'm God's favorite. And I'm ready to surrender to Him, to run into His arms, to admit my sin that separated me from Him to trust in his payment for my sin on the cross and yield to him as Savior. Would you do that today? Father, thank you for this moment in time. And Lord, today when we experience thoughts of envy and jealousy, can it remind us that that is smoke from a fire? Spiritual immaturity, it'll rot our soul, destroy our families and any organization we're in. And ultimately, we're believing a lie from the enemy that you make a mistake. Can you teach us, Father, to preach the gospel to ourselves in this area of our life and liberate us, close the gap that envy and jealousy creates for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we'd like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. We meet at 820, 940, and 11 a.m. If you would like more information or would like to watch or listen to more of our services, please visit us online at newvisionlive.com. This broadcast is brought to you by New Vision Baptist Church, where our mission is guiding people to lives of gospel transformation.